Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Listeners and welcome to episode 10. This week, Johnny Nelson is back with us again, and Solly's back for the second week on the bounce. We'll be covering the Bristol City game. We've got the home defeat against Stoke City, and we'll also answer a few listener questions. Enjoy. Johnny, good to have you back, mate. How are you? Absolutely terrible, mate. Absolutely terrible. I've already told you in the preamble, yeah. I'm not going to share it on the pod. Yeah. But having a having a right weekend of it. Uh that's only made even better by well, uh by Preston North End's failure to inject any joy into my soul you missed the uh you missed the relatively positive episode last week should have uh should have messaged you a week sooner although i think with your working schedule you wouldn't have been available anyway would you yeah it's been a, it's been a tricky week i've just worked 27 days in a row which is which is inhumane i don't <laughs> advise it to anyone uh, and then i've been out in amsterdam for for a week working there and then i came back down here it's been it's been a slog and yeah i listened to last week's episode with with the utmost envy uh, after... Did, was it just the first one? Were there both the wins in that episode? Were you talking Norwich as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Oh, Christ. So we, we literally just have the two... Diff- I, for some reason, I told myself that maybe maybe there was one win in the conversation we're about to have, but there isn't. No, uh, sorry, so we spoke, we spoke midweek, and I think... I yeah, think I sold you this on the back of two wins, didn't I? And then yeah. here we are on the back of two defeats. But... And I was I was chuffed about it. Um, Such and a like mess. I said, as we started, I feel like I've been invited to a invited to a wedding and turned up to a funeral. Uh, but let's make the most of it. <laughs> Sol is here, like yeah, oh, exactly. famous. This guy, you know, like long time, uh, long time listener, first time. I don't know. I've not got no end to that sentence. Have I? <laughs> <laughs> Just put it down to 27 days working, mate. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, Solly, you come out of the dark room yet? I have. Um, and I started to feel slightly better about myself until I until I joined this Zoom call and Johnny's been <laughs> uh, talking non-stop about his, um, his relationship woes <laughs> and whether, whether he will or will not go to Tunisia on holiday later today. So I was, I was just starting to come out of my sort of haze of depression, but I plunged back in it. Um, Good thing is no, my, my missus is, a, is is French and has no love for, for Preston North End, so I think I could get away with talking about it, don't I? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, before we get started, some of you might have seen in the last few days that we've uh, we've now got a charity partner for the season, uh, the podcast, with Baby Beat. Uh, if you don't know, my wife gave birth earlier this year to our son, he was premature, and without Baby Beat... Finn wouldn't have had what the care that he had at, at RPH. So 
it was something that I wanted to do just to try and use the platform that we've got here with the podcast and on social media to try and sort of help baby beat with raising the the funds that they do for babies and mums and families and all that sort of stuff that they care for at the maternity unit and at the neonatal intensive care unit as well um at the moment they are fun well they're they're trying to raise funds for um they're called cardio tocograph monitors or ctg monitors and without these monitors we wouldn't have known that things were starting to go wrong with finley obviously before he was born so um yeah they're they're vital and they help hundreds and thousands of mums sort of every every year um to know what's going on with the babies and and whatnot obviously unborn babies and their well-being uh, the total cost of three monitors that Baby Beat are trying to raise uh, money for is £32,000 and at the moment they've secured a £5,000 grant towards this. Uh, so yeah, I think it, if if you're in a position to sort of help and, and whatnot, we've got a, a Just Giving page which you can head over to and donate. That's justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash FTF Baby Beat. Um, yeah, anything anything that is raised and donated is massively appreciated, not just by myself and obviously the pod lads, but uh, by Baby Beat as well. So, yeah. You're trying to raise money for that is, is, is classes. Got a few followers on social media, um, and I know, obviously, that raising 32 grand isn't going to be easy. Um, mm. So if I can sort of help them with that, even if it's just a couple of hundred quid, then it's better than... Anyone listening to the pod, fancy giving that a share? Uh, yeah, on all social definitely. media platforms, <clears throat> all social media platforms. A little bit of toast stuck in my throat there. Well. Dig deep because thirty-two grand is a lot of money. If anyone wants <laughs> to come forward with the thirty-two grand, uh, please get in touch with Jake, Craig Emmings, uh, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we must have saved some money on all the players we didn't buy, so uh, <laughs> do some good. If there's two people that I would put my money on that aren't listening to this themselves, <laughs> then it's them too. However, oh, the Riddler will be Wally. The Riddler. Um, mm, no, I think Peter has people that listen to it for him. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think yeah, that's just speculation. But anyway, um, Solly, did you go to Bristol City? I did go to Bristol City. That's um, a heavy week, that Norwich and Bristol. Well, to be fair, I sort of owe the club one after playing cricket for most of the uh, and most of the start of the season. So. Um, yeah, look, I absolutely love those midweek trips. I think they can really sort of reignite your season. Uh, North End were going into that, uh, obviously, um, on the back of two wins. So perhaps it didn't quite have the same feel around it that uh, that North End were going to sort of shock the world and, and you know, go there and win. But, um, yeah, uh, we set off at 10 o'clock in the morning. Um, we had a rather crazy golf in the afternoon. Um, we bumped into Brad Pox, Ben Whiteman, Liam Lindsay and Ryan Ledson. Uh, we asked them for the picture and they weren't that keen to give it us actually. Especially Ben Whiteman, it was a little bit um, a little bit quiet. Um, I just put it down to being in the zone. Uh, but then obviously you skip a couple hours later and, and North End were pretty terrible in the night. So uh, perhaps something was rotted in the state of Denmark as, uh, as William Shakespeare once wrote. And yeah... Uh, we just didn't turn up. We don't. We don't tend to start games particularly quickly, um, and that was the case again. Bristol 
it was sort of wave after wave of Bristol attack early. Um, but to be fair, North End started to, uh, to grow into the game-ish. Uh, Bristol looked like they wouldn't score in a month of Sundays. Um, and then they did after the break. And then you're thinking, uh, when Hughes scores, that, uh, that this would be um, a little bit of a heist. Um, and then it's so clumsy to go and concede later on um, and end up getting beat. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, that was my day. Got in at ten pa- at, at ten to two due to some diversions on the M5 and M6. So all in all, um, it was a pretty unhappy trip to the uh, to the southwest. Johnny, I think we can call Bristol City there. We'll just leave it at that. What do you reckon? I mean, yeah. I mean, my my experience of it was <laughs> I was in a hotel room in in Amsterdam, and I was like pretty chuffed to be away because I didn't have to you know, mess around with my, my proxies and whatnot to like get the stream. Um, and I, I was like knackered. I was getting up at six in the morning every day and we were working till like seven and we were filming all the time. I was shattered and I was stuck on my iPad and was had my eyes like half closed half of the game. And then as soon as we equalised, I'm suddenly like perked up and awake again, which meant I didn't get to sleep for ages uh, after that. But it was just, it was just, it was another one of those like stodgy away games. We looked a bit leggy. We looked a bit tired. Uh, I think story was a big miss. We've been talking all, all year about how good our defence has been, but we all kind of have been waiting for it to fall apart. And it just seems like we're picking up niggling injuries now. There's been so much pressure on people like Story and Lindsay to perform that as soon as we lose one of them out of the team, we're, we're a lot more disjointed at the back. But generally, I, I think we seem to be, we seem to be pretty solid for a lot of the game. As Solly mentioned, they weren't threatening all that much. We had a couple of little half chances ourselves and it seemed like it might be one of those games where, you know, a goal might have been uh, the difference. And then, it, yeah, I guess it just it didn't come. I think just before they scored, it felt like we were having a little bit of a period of pressure because I didn't really feel like their goal was coming. But then it did. And and as you said, it was just a bit of sloppy defending, especially right at the death when you when you grab a goal back and you think you are going to, Nick, a, a point would have been deserved. We could possibly have nicked another one. Uh, but then defending like that in the air. And it seems to be something we're, we're becoming more and more open to, um, like crosses into the box. We seem so solid with them for the first 10 games. And now we seem to be just like shipping silly goals. Uh, but perhaps it is just the fact that we've we've had Story out, then we've had Lindsay out, and you're throwing people like, Again, in the last game, Bambo coming in, who hasn't been getting a lot of minutes, as five, we'll get onto in a sec. Five left footers started the the game in the back five as well against Bristol City. I think yeah. it, it's testament to Liam Lindsay and Jordan Story, isn't it, that two players that, well, one last season he was shipped out on loan, and the other one who was not sort of seen to be a fan favourite, and now mm. the 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 foundations of our defensive successes so far this season and mm. uh, I think it's credit to them too but I think for me the disappointing thing with Bristol City was two goals were conceded very similar um, and yeah like you both said it's so sloppy to to concede that second one so late on in, in such a similar manner to the way that we conceded the first to the same player. Yeah the disappointing thing about the winner um, especially was the fact that at Woodman who's been a brilliant um, at a press, uh, just you just get the impression he just sort of come and caught it, don't you? It? Um, it, it's in the six yard area. Um, you can take a little bit of heat off the defenders if you come and catch that. But 
Um, you know, every credit to the um, on-rushing um, uh, attacker who came in there and, and threw literally the kitchen sink at getting the ball in the net. Rob uh, Atkinson, yeah. wasn't it, I think? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, uh, he's a defender, isn't he? But yeah, in this case, he, he was an attacker because he was attacking the ball in an well, yeah. attacking position. Uh, but um, uh, but yeah, um, yeah. I was just a little bit disappointed that the keeper didn't come, but he's been more or less faultless all season, really. It felt like Brown was in a bit of no man's land when their second goal came in as well. I think he was in the box, wasn't he? I just I remember seeing just him looking completely lost. I kind of feel like our defence, as much as we all felt like Brown was a better choice at right wing back than Potts overall, albeit neither of them are. are are exactly what we're looking for. Neither of them ideal. It it does kind of feel like we've become a bit weaker defensively since Brown's come in. Um, and I don't know whether that's, again, just like his him not having as many minutes or at that side of the pitch. Uh, oh, and he's just a little bit off it or, or what. But in the last game and against Bristol, it just... He's one of those people who'll throw himself into every challenge, and he's he tries to drag people, you know, up with his 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 sort of passion uh, in the game, but very very clumsy at times, especially in the box. And there's only so many times like Liam Lindsay can just like get himself in the way of a ball. So yeah, overall very disappointing. Um, and then as soon as that, yeah, as soon as that game was done, I just, I had absolutely no hope whatsoever to face an Alex Neal side. I know Stoke have been a bit indifferent uh, of late, but it just had, it just had an Alex Neal performance like written all over it for me. Yeah. Uh, and it, as soon as it, our defence has started to look shaky, what else have we, what other leg do we have to stand on? Well, not Liam Lindsay's. Not his, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, in a way, that Bristol City game kind of foreshadowed what was to come yesterday, didn't it? Really, mm. um, <laughs> I saw a really interesting point on Twitter um, in the aftermath uh, of that Bristol defeat. Uh, the scheduling is absolutely ridiculous. Um, I don't know who who's agreed uh, to this, but but we knew that the West Brom game and the Norwich game. Which took, place, which took place a week prior were always going to be a relatively attritional, especially Norwich. And then to try and squeeze and sneak and sort of just stick a game in the middle of that uh, at Bristol, uh, it, it's, it's just idiotic, really, because they were always going to take quite a lot out of our already, already relatively sort of... Um, Lack of depth squad, and we're and we're always going to have to rotate, um, and to lob that in in there, there that game in there, I, I thought was just was just ridiculous, really. Well, this mm. runner this runner fixtures that we've got was always busy in the run up to the World Cup because you're squeezing more into a shorter time frame, and I know Ryan Lowe came out after the game, didn't he? And he was asked about um, the scheduling, and and obviously why that game was picked for that week and he kind of was just like well it wasn't me so you'll have to ask someone else I guess we'll never know who truly was the the reason that it was scheduled for when it was obviously we're we're pointing the finger at Bristol City saying that they wanted it at that specific time but no no other club who has got a game to rearrange from when the Queen died 
has had it rescheduled for this side of the yeah. World Cup, as far as I know. Mm. Wasn't aware of that, but it's. It, it, I mean, it's felt it, it's felt like we're getting a little bit leggy for the last couple of weeks uh, because it seemed. I mean, he, I felt like he found a new formation that actually worked well for him, or at least a new starting eleven, uh, especially after the Norwich game. Uh, and it, but it, it still has felt for a little while that that defence was getting very, very tired. Um, and it's not really helped by Hughes having little kind of niggly injuries over the last few weeks, which has meant it's a bit unsettled, him coming in, then Cunningham coming in, then them swapping over a lot. And they play so differently nowadays that it does change the the, the kind of the entire flow, so to speak, of, of uh, how the defence gets rid of the ball and like recycles the ball. Um, and just having, you know, a Norwich and a Bristol in the same week at the same time as your players getting a bit tired is just, it seems insane, but at least it's out of the way now. You had to feel for Hughes, didn't you, at Bristol? Um, mm, yeah. First first time coming back into the team, um, having to play on the right side of defence, he started he started particularly shakily, and, and, and I don't blame him, really. Yeah, tricky situation to come back into. Yeah, Saturday, yesterday, Stoke City, the, the, uh, better be careful what I say here because I don't want the uh, anti Alex Neil Brigade jumping on my back. But when our Lord and Saviour, Alex <laughs> Neil, the greatest manager of the last seven years, returned to Duke now. Sorry. Just to make that clear, at full Johnny Nelson said that, tweet him all the <laughs> shit that you want. No, uh, no, that's, people, people get their backs up about Alex Neil. And at the end of the day, when he left North End, it was the right time for him to leave North End. But he, he's, he's obviously a quality manager. Um, and when given the resources and time, he can do great things. But any manager, look at look at Moisey. Uh, he's been amazing many times in his career. And he's been absolutely shocking at other times. Um, I think it's pretty clear when a manager has quality, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be ticking all the boxes for all the people all the time. Uh, but yeah. Neil coming back. It was always, yeah. This was always going to happen. I never, ever in a, in a thousand years thought he wasn't going to beat us at Deepdale. We've got so many of the players that we had under him. He knows how we tick. We know, he, he knows he, he is a more seasoned manager than Ryan Lowe. So tactically, he was always going to be a couple of steps ahead of him. And what managers like Lowe rely on is building up that kind of the, the, the sort of, I don't know, the character... Um, and then kind of a belief and an enthusiasm around a team and around a club that you can go out and play gun-ho football and get goals. And we like him for that quote-unquote brand for when it works. And it can be very entertaining. And I do feel like things generally are much more positive and fun with Lowe in the club than with Neil, or at least with Neil throughout a lot of his tenure. <laughs> because of, because of so like... For uh, those listeners, Solly's just put his hands to his head. <laughs> I'm saying, I'm suggesting like comparatively where we are on the table now compared to when we were crap under Neil, things are more positive. Um, but uh, with regard to, with regard to uh, Neil's actual nous in this league, uh, and especially when he has the players that it's disposable, I think that's, it's, it's not really a debate, is it? It's not really a debate as to which manager you would pick at the right time for your club. Yeah, I think we'll start at the start. I thought it was a lovely reception. Um, and oh, he allowed himself to come out and really soak it in, didn't he? When, when have we ever seen Alex Neal come out first in this sort of like blaze of glory? It, yeah, uh, it was a 
lovely moment. Um, and and I was glad that he got a warm reception. Of, of course, he deserves it. Um, and, you know, we had some good times under him. Um, and, yeah, the most pleasing aspect of the day, um, other than the debut for ever Cross Adair, was the reception that Neil got. Um, other than that, there wasn't a great deal uh, to be pleased about whatsoever. No, not and not at all. And I think it's safe to say we were beaten by the better side, weren't we? Um, you know, it's made no bones about it. They've got some real, real quality in that squad. Um, but I think the the most sort of disappointing thing from my point of view is the fact that we appeared to lack any kind of substance. Um, yeah. And then you, you get to sort of 70, 75 minutes, 80 minutes and like nine, ten of the players look like they've all but given up. And when, when you when you're turning up at Deepdale to support North End, the the one thing that you don't expect to see is the players almost looking like they've down tools for the last five, ten, fifteen minutes. Because uh, I think I think it was Graham Wesley when he came in and did all that stuff had gone on before, and for all the shit that he he brought with him, one thing that he said was the people of Preston want to see a team that works hard as a, as like a bare minimum. It was something along those lines. And I think that still resonates for the vast majority. So I think it was disappointing to see us, the majority of the 11 look like they'd uh, just sort of like sacked it off for the last 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, it, it's quite easy, isn't it, to, uh, to compare and contrast managers, um, especially when, when one one's returning. Uh, against a sort of um, incumbent, but uh, uh, the thing to note really is the fact that Stoke is are t- a lot better team than us. The sum of their parts is 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 a lot more weightier than the sum of ours uh, ultimately. So uh, Ryan Lowe can only deal with what he's got uh, at his disposal. We know Alex Neal's going to be quality with with that squad. Um, mm. Alex Neal. Alex Neal and Stoke would be competing towards the top of the league. Absolutely. And there was so... There was a lot of sort of... I was having sort of a deja vu yesterday in the fact that uh, I remember just how Stoke supporters are feeling. Like, like you've got this new man in and you think... And, and at the start, you're thinking, wow, this guy, this guy really knows what he's doing. And you have this warm and fuzzy feeling about it. And you think... You, you sort of think the sky's the limit. Mm. Uh, um, uh, and we saw that yesterday when they were. I think they took the largest away um, away crowd for for a prolonged period of time. That's what the journalist spoke to Neil about on the Friday press conference. Um, so it was it was easy to contrast the feeling that sort of we had we had back then when Neil came in to what Stoke have now. Uh, the slight difference is is that Stoke have a lot better team than than we did then, not by a great deal, but uh, but that is a, a multi million pound squad. So it wasn't it wasn't a thing that oh, a Stoke beat Preston, so and Neil must be a much better manager than Ryan Lowe. It's it's a lot more complex than that. Um, but yeah, you're right, Jake. Tactically, it doesn't it doesn't look. Are particularly great, especially in the last sort of 10 15 minutes. But I think that is largely by design. Um, I thought it was it was 
damage limitation from the uh, from the start when they got the first goal. There didn't seem to be a great deal of um, uh, of a plan B. Uh, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure what we are or what we do off the ball, um, and whether that is anything or whether the anything is is something that it, it's um, it's that feels I'm like that should be inside of like a cracker uh, that you get like a Chinese <laughs> takeaway. Uh, then you just sit, you sit and read it and have an existential crisis. Uh, I was, I was very fortunate that I was working again yesterday and actually too busy to even like follow the game. And it's the first game I've not at least listened to um, in the whole of the season. So obviously it's, it's great to have me on the podcast to talk about it. <laughs> but uh, I was, I was following the stats when I could, and it was just looking like, you know, they, they were having like 60 percent possession throughout a lot of the game. I don't know what the final stats were, but I was looking at it at one point in the game and they'd had, you know, 13, 14, 15 shots. And we'd had about four it sounded like we weren't really offering anything at all. But then as much as we say that like Ryan Lowe gets flack about uh, not being able to change his tactics and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I think Solly alluded to, to it there, not knowing what we actually do off the ball. What is our kind of, what is our, what is our brand this season? We've played so many different ways. Like we've approached games so many different ways, starting off at the Luton game when it actually worked in our favor when we sort of like stocked that midfield and we played it out for a stodgy game and we managed to beat them, unlike getting an absolute hiding when we tried to take the game to them away from home last year. And it feels like every game, every game low is experimenting in some way, in the way that we play and how we're going to approach it, which I suppose in one regard you could argue is, is a positive because he's not just trying to, uh, you know, uh, go out and play like Brazil against every team. But when games come on like last night where he might have anticipated to play a similar way to the way we did in Luton and just snatch something off them in, a, in a, an Alex Neal type performance, uh, you know, when you concede one, that goes out the window, doesn't it? And not and losing players like Parrott, even though he's not exactly pulled up any trees for us this year, he's still a very tenacious, strong, willing runner. Um, you can play some nice kind of one-twos with him. He's still a very useful player to have to bring off the bench or even be starting. And when you're only bringing on Chet Evans and and like a, a 17-year-old, was he 17 he came on? Yeah, Finley Crosser there. Which is fantastic to, you know, give these guys a, a chance. But when when that's what you're bringing off the bench, I, it just it just removes... It, it must it, The players must feel the way the fans do at times. When you go out to play... And you know it's going to be a really tricky game and it, it proves to be and you go goal down. They must also be thinking, shit, this this isn't working. What 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 else are we gonna do? We've we've not got, you know, we're not gonna bring on Reese. When he's out of the team, you can bring on Reese and might get that bit of magic. Uh we no longer have Archer. We don't really have players to come on and change games anymore. The DJ has hasn't done really much at all uh for the last few weeks, although obviously he's a brilliant player on his day. The players must have that same fear as as we do, and that must only be getting worse I think at the moment. On, on your point as well about low experimenting, and on the one hand, it, it can be seen as a positive. I think on the other hand, it's, it's slightly concerning. You know, he's he's been here nearly twelve months now. Largely, I would say the players that he's using week in week out haven't changed that much from when he first joined because we've. We've not really recruited that many. Obviously, we've lost a few, but there was a few bit part players in there. I think it 
it's almost alarming to an extent that he's still having to experiment and he doesn't perhaps know his best team or the best way to set them up, whether to go with a box midfield, whether to go with one up front, whether to go with two up front. Mm. Uh, it all, at times, it feels almost a bit like he's just like, I'll throw some shit at the wall and hope some of it sticks kind of thing. He's had to change his, his tactics. He's had to change his plan, really, hasn't he? He had this idea of the players he wanted to bring in and the way he wanted to play. Then it became apparent he wasn't going to get the players he wanted. We don't have a swashbuckling right wing back who can run at his man. Um, we don't have another type of striker to bring off the bench or play up front with Reese or Parrot or whoever. And that was probably his plan for the season. And then, you know, after after the transfer window finished, it was the question of what what do I do now? How do I get the most out of this? And I can kind of understand how he's got himself in that situation. You know, you look at games like the Rotherham game at the start of the season when we absolutely battered them uh, playing, I think we we're playing one up front, weren't we? I think Reese wasn't in the team at the side. It was just like Parrot and we were, we had uh, DJ pushing forward and we were just like, we, we shot off, shot off the shot and you were like, okay, goals aren't going in yet. But if we play like this all the time, maybe this, this formation, this lineup might do us some favours. Then of course that didn't happen. And then he started playing, you know, he's playing McCann over Ledson more than he did last season. And he's tried to more of an, made more of an effort to fit McCann into the team, which a lot of us were screaming for. Fernandez is now coming to the team and he's starting every game and moving Brady more central. Like he's, there's an element of, I agree, he, he doesn't know what his best lineup is, best formation is, and he's just throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks. or hoping one of them scores. Uh, but at the same time, you can kind of understand how this has happened through some players have just become clearer that they have a quality that other players don't. So how do we get them in the side? I think you, having well. Brady and Fernandez, you need to play them both. So how do you get them both into the side? The yeah. only confusing thing for me is Potts uh, was, you know, he's no one's first choice right wing back if we could have any right wing back in the league. But he had a really good start to the season. And now it seems like he's not getting a look in so much, uh, which... I don't know. I have some question marks over what's happening there. Is it just to try and get Brown into that position, or I what? think I think on Potts, I think he's he's been ill, hasn't he? Uh, oh, okay. Recently, um, so perhaps yesterday came a bit too soon for him to start again. But is it the stomach uh, bug that they all had? Like, yeah, uh, when we words? were in the in the build up to the Bristol City game on it. Uh, right. One thing I will say for for Lowe is I think on the experimenting thing it does feel a bit like he's stuck between a rock and a hard place because if he wasn't experimenting and he was just doing the same thing week in, week out, people would be calling him, calling him a nutter. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not working, so why are you sticking with it? But equally then, you know, you flip it the other way and he's experimenting and it's like, well, he doesn't know his best team, blah, blah, blah. So, mm. yeah, I, I do the luxury I do feel of nothing for working for a prolonged period of time at the moment. That's a luxury it has been enjoyed. Nothing has worked for a long period of time, so he has an excuse to keep chopping and changing to his heart's content. Yeah. My, I, I get the impression there must be managers in the league who sort of scratch their head at the fact that Johnson is not, not playing as important a role as perhaps um, he has done under previous managers here. Uh, I know he had a knock yesterday, so he wasn't around. I know he was appalling at Bristol City, uh, so, so that's not an excuse for him. But surely North End are a better team with Daniel Johnson in it and playing well. So everybody has a sort of uh, off days and he's not played a great deal of late. Um, is that an excuse for him? 
uh, uh, I'm not sure, but I'm not here to make excuses. Um, but I, I just look at it and I just think at Johnson and to a lesser, ex, a lesser extent Brown have been good championship midfielders for a real prolonged period of time, and um, maybe they deserve a little, a little bit more love from the uh, from the and the fan base, and maybe. And maybe they're the ones to try and to, to try and get back into the middle of the park and playing well because when they do, uh, North End have been um, a pretty good outfit um, over the last sort of five years to six years or so. So um, maybe it's time to go back to the um, to, uh, to the old tricks and get Johnson in the ten and get Brown back in the midfield and and yeah. Uh, but, I mean, Lowe did I, say he said last season, didn't he? His first observation at North End was when they're ticking the, the 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 team ticks so to speak when those two players are at it on the day the whole team ticks the only issue is uh, and I think we had oh, who, were, who were we playing against last year at home might have been Bristol to be fair uh, I can't remember that that young lad in midfield who absolutely dominated us we played was Scott. Scott. it wasn't Scott uh, it was Bristol City oh, that, um, yeah it was, it was Pan- Pan- yeah yeah that's the one and we played yeah. we were playing alright at the time and then we played them and he just absolutely and we had Brown and, and, and DJ midfield and it showed that when you had a really physical strong quick uh, guy in the centre in the mid they they just got absolutely bullied um, and I think one of the issues is if you're playing two players who when they're on their day the team taken a great um, and and when you're relying on that, when when they can so easily be unpicked, it's it leaves you a little bit open. Like I I I I have got a lot of love for for both of them, but then when you look at like Brady and Fernandez, who have been two of our best players this year, and you're like, how do you keep them? How do you get them both in the side? Well, it's interesting. I've, I don't think we've had one on either wing back role that I've noticed yet. Um, Brady started there against Bristol City, didn't he? But very quickly moved into the middle, yeah. and uh, Brown was on the right. And I think he's, he's been finished a couple of games middle. on the right. But yeah, I don't think he's been given a full, a full mm. ninety there. And I, I would suggest you know you you want Whiteman in. Obviously, there's been some Twitter uh, sort of um, blowback on on Whiteman this weekend. We could get onto that, I suppose. Uh, but you want Whiteman in there, and you want Brady in there. Who fills those other places? Everyone loves McCann, even though he's been a bit indifferent at times this season. Do you keep him in because he's young and hopefully he'll only get better? Ledson, who can get that cutting pass occasionally. Like I think, I think he's just hoping that one of these players, like Brown or like DJ, is going to come into the side and remind everyone why they've been here for so long and been so important for us for so long. And I think that's what we all want as well. But at the moment, they're kind of uh, like DJ's cameos just haven't been what we'd expect them to be or what we'd hope them to be. Maybe that's just time out of the side. I don't know. We've all you have to wonder as well with, things, with so. Deej, is, is this contract situation playing on his mind? You know, he's probably at an age now where he's maybe looking at his last final decent three-year contract maybe four-year contract at a push mm. maybe that's weighing on his mind you know he's been here for what not coming on 10 years now seven eight years something like that and he's he's probably thinking is it time to move on is it time to to go and play in a different league play at a different level but go abroad mm. you know he can sign a pre-contract with uh 
an, an overseas team, I think it is, in, in January and move on a free in the summer. Um, oh. So you got to wonder there. But I think with, with the fans as well, I, I do often think that with Brown and DJ, because they've been here so long, the frustrations of season after season of relative failure, they become the scapegoats because they've been here for so long and perhaps people look at them as like, well, they're, they're the common denominator. They're the common sort, thing, sort of yeah. thing. They shoulder some of the blame. You yeah, do get exactly. it when, uh, when, when people are throwing their dummies out of the pram, you do, you do get a lot of people tweeting and things saying, you know, what, what is the common denominator? Some of these players have had an easy ride, have been here for years. When we're, when we're good and when we're bad, they're there and they must be to blame. And it's easy with people like DJ and Brown because we've seen them play so badly and play so well. There's a frustration with them, which you don't seem to have with a lot of other players. You're like, why can't you play like, why can't Brown be getting double figures? in goals every season. Why can't DJ be playing like the best 10 in the league, which we've seen him play like at times. Uh, but it's just, that's not football, is it? I mean, if they could play like that all the time, they'd both be playing at a high level. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, I think I think, there's, I think I think people resent them getting those contracts that they got a couple of years ago, obviously on, on pretty decent money. Um, and maybe that's a factor as well. Um, people like McCann, uh, and I do as well, you know, he works really hard. He runs, and a lot of the time, that's all. All really, people want to see is is someone trying their absolute hundred percent every week, which is fine. But um, I'm not sure whether whether over over a prolonged period of time you're gonna you're gonna um, get. I'm not sure he's gonna win you as many games as say at Johnson or Brownwood. So. I don't know. See how it does against Huddersfield. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, he scored twice last Bags time. Yeah, he's he's a frustrating player because he was he came in and he just seemed a lot of players we've had over the last few years have come in and just seemed like a cut above all the rest of the squad. And I guess that is just that that new club bounce when you're desperate to impress and things go your way and the manager clearly really believes in you because he's brought you in uh on big money or relative big money. And we saw McCann come in. He was like, "Holy shit, this guy is this guy is the future of the club. This is the next big sale we're going to have." Then he was out the sea outside for so long, and now it's just a weird. We have this expectation on him, a bit like Brown and DJ in a way. You've had this expectation that you've seen something so good from him that you want all the time, and you want him to do well. And it's it's all wrapped up in the pressure of just being desperate to see Preston North End win games of football. And when we don't win games of football, you're questioning absolutely everything. Why isn't so-and-so as good as they were against whoever? Uh, what's going on there? What, are we not getting the best out of this, that or the other? But this comes with being you know, fans of a club of our level where we have players like this who are capable of great things and also capable of calamities. And it is just going to happen. And it's just, as you say before, it's about putting that, that baggage on all of them when we're not doing so well. Last one from me before we go to a break. Do you think the unwillingness from like Ryan Lowe to be sort of flexible is making it easier for teams to come and play against us? With his formation? Yeah. I mean, he, he's he's said, hasn't he, you know, that's my, my way of playing. I'm not going to deviate from it. Yeah. Do, do you think that that's perhaps his downfall to an extent? Managers will know what they're coming against when they come to Preston. 
Uh, obviously, uh, we sit relatively deep. Uh, we don't do a great deal off the ball, uh, but we're hard to break down, we're hard to score against, we're hard to win against, really. So how many times have we beat this season? Is it four? Four. four. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, Bristol yesterday, Sheffield United, and... But anyway, yeah. Um, so we're hard to beat. Uh, it's not as if, you know, we're getting, we're getting slapped off everybody. So it's always a tough game when teams play us. Uh, although Stoke might think differently, um, so I, th- I think we'd all prefer. I prefer a manager who could say, I don't know, change, uh, change the way that they that they go about the game for each individual game. But uh, but there is a reason why they're managing at this level. Um, so it's a really tricky one to answer, really. Um, but for results to improve. Or for him to be successful at this level, uh, he is going to have to be more flexible, um, especially with formation for sure. I think that um, it's 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 a difficult one. I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking, are teams of our size, are clubs of our level, just better off managed by hardened, pragmatist managers who are willing to get you know ten men behind the ball? and just be kind of shit to watch and difficult to beat. Um, you know, you're kind of, your 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 Warnocks, maybe. Are, are we just better off with those level? Because if anyone who wants to come in and play a more expansive type of football, you just don't have the funds, you don't have the players with the same ability to do that. But I think, oh, like, I've seen us playing so many different ways under Ryan Lowe already that I'm not sure the formation thing is quite the be-all and end-all that people make it out to be. We're not trying to take it to every team we play against. Sometimes we come out the blocks quick, like we did against West Brom. Sometimes we don't. We're Like we did against Luton, which kind of showed me at the time that he is willing to play a very different type of football uh, with a very different lineup if it's going to exploit their weaknesses better or, or mitigate their, their strengths I don't feel like Ryan Lowe's quite as stuck in the mud, predictable as people make him out to be. Because we just, every, you know, at the moment it feels like every bloody game we play, we're playing completely differently. We're trying, we're going down a different side. We're trying different ways to win the game or not to lose the game than we are, um, than we have done like the week previously. So I don't think it's quite as simple. And it's, it's even though we, we're saying we're sticking to the same formation, we, we're, you, you can see the distances between the players we're not playing the same way in that formation. We can be very defensive in that formation or we can be very attacking. Um, And at the moment, it doesn't feel like we're losing games because we've got the formation wrong. It feels like we're losing games because the players on the pitch aren't like before. And I'm not saying this is all the players and nothing to do with the manager. He puts the players out in those positions. He tells them what he wants them to do. He tells them how he wants them to approach the game. He tells them about what these you know, patterns of play are meant, to, are meant to be for whatever team. So he bears a big part of that responsibility. But sometimes we're going out and it looks like, you know, like the Burnley game, we couldn't make a pass. People couldn't make a five-yard pass in that game. And then other times we're, we're conceding two goals to Norwich and then bagging three because we're just like throwing people down the wings. We're getting balls into the box. So I don't know. For me, for me, I don't, I don't necessarily... I, I'm not craving another manager to come in who is willing to you know go 4-4-2 one game and 
four five three another. I'm, I'm it doesn't for me it doesn't really feel like that's going to make all that much of a difference at the moment with this with this group of players. But what oh. do I know? <laughs> I'd I'd hope no manager goes four five three. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Try anything at this point. It's been a long morning for Johnny this morning. <laughs> it really it's is. been a long few days. Yeah, Solly, unless you've got anything to to add to that, then I think we can uh, we can go to a little break, a little brew break, and I'll see you boys in part two. Maybe that's what I'm missing. We need to just play more players on the pitch. See if anyone noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Chuck the referee a bit of cash. <laughs> yeah, chuck him. It'll be fine. What cash? All right, boys. Yeah, I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> see you in a bit. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. We've got two listener questions. Uh, I've got a question for the boys as well, and then we'll we'll look ahead to the biggest week of the season so far. Um, first, boys, we'll dive into uh, to a question from Martin Grime, who asks, why hasn't one midfielder scored all season? And I'd just like to add, I assume he means in the league, because obviously Ben Woodburn scored in the Cup against Wolves, and... Ali McCann got a brace against Huddersfield, um, but yeah, take it away. I mean, in the I mentioned the Rotherham game earlier. Like in that game, about four different midfielders nearly scored. So it shows that sometimes you can be a a, a just a whisker away from from kind of almost pointless stats like that, uh, not meaning anything. I, I get I get what he means. We don't seem to be creating many chances from midfield or, or we, we don't seem to be taking as many shots from good areas outside of the box but I guess maybe just the way Lowe plays is he wants to play through his strikers so a lot of the opportunities are coming into them I mean for the first first handful of games it was just Robbie Brady putting balls into the box after balls into the box after balls into the box uh, and then it was up to Parrot or Reese or Ched or anyone else to not score from them and yeah, there was the game, what the Wolves game where Woodburn scored when he when he scored from distance uh, in the cup, and then I think it's more it's more surprising that the goals that McCann scored against Huddersfield, which were both um, balls into him within within the eighteen yard box, weren't they? From Fernandez, at least one of them was from Fernandez. No, they were both from Fernandez. Uh, I think I think with those as well, it's it's yeah. They, they felt like your archetypal midfielder's goal arriving yeah, yeah. Late into their box. The ball fizzed arriving in. Arriving late. Yeah. They were DJ goals. They were the goals that DJ scored for us time and time and time again. Um, and it was it showed it was actually a really nice kind of pattern of play the both times. And I know that Huddersfield were like a, a weakened uh, team that couldn't, that didn't know a football um, from their arsehole um, in that game. I guess some people might know their arseholes really well. Uh, depends what you're into, I suppose. If you've got well, a nice, got a nice mirror and some, some, uh, some, some pair of gloves. Anyway, <laughs> what? 
Um, <laughs> oh, fucking hell. I don't think like, I'll get away with calling this episode DU football <laughs> from your arsehole. Uh, I mean, like, what the hell? What the hell must Martin Grime be thinking? He's asking questions about midfielders <laughs> not scoring goals, and Johnny Nelson's talking about arseholes. The point I'm making is those those goals that McCann scored. It felt like th- th- those kind of patterns of play should be able to be repeated. Uh, if we're going to play that kind of brand of football, then you'd expect we'd have more attempts like that, with a ten or someone arriving late, uh, a, a through ball or a ball to feet from either side and someone taking a shot. And it doesn't seem to be something we've repeated all that often because it doesn't look like, you know, we've not been nearly scoring a lot of goals like this. Um, it doesn't feel like we've had a load of like guilt edge chances of the same ilk going, going awry. So I don't know. I kind of, ex- I expected more from Whiteman this year going forward. Um, it's not really his role in the team quite so much, but I thought he'd be, given his history with Doncaster, I thought he'd be having more attempts on goal like that. Ledson always has a pop when he plays. Um, Brown has been like playing all around the pitch, so I suppose there's been a little bit less from him. So I, I, whether it's down to... I don't think it's necessarily just down to the players not playing well. It just doesn't feel like that's the kind of way we're playing. Yeah, I think Martin raises a good point, really. Um, there's not getting away from the fact that it's a pretty dire start that a midfielder hasn't scored. Uh, yeah, not good. Um, especially when you factor in the fact that Johnson, Brown... Whiteman at Doncaster, uh, more specifically, uh, have got the pedigree to score goals from midfield. Um, and it's always a hallmark of a good team if if your goals aren't necessarily coming from Drushy strikers, midfielders are chipping. Um, so, I completely agree with Johnny that it is it is purely down to the way we play, essentially. Like, for example, under, under sort of Neil, you'd have Brown and Johnson arriving late into the box and therefore they'd, they'd get more chances. We don't tend to get our midfielders into the box. We play, we tend to play two up front, don't we? So that, and they sort of occupy the box. Uh, whereas in, in bygone years, we've had, uh, we've had midfielders, you know, really marauding into those areas. At the same um, time, it's worth remembering that, like, for many years, we didn't have a striker who could score a goal. So, like, we really have true. had to become a team where all our goals come from midfield. Or a large, a much larger portion than you'd expect uh, at this level, and perhaps this last year in particular, where Reese scored so many goals and Archer scored so many goals, we've become a different team where we have more faith, rightly or wrongly, in our strikers, uh, and we play, we try and play to their strengths. It's taken well, a little while as well. We we did have one of the, in my opinion, one of the best midfielders to have played at this level in Paul Isn't. Gallagher at our disposal for right. years. With the numbers he clocked up, goals and assists, obviously more goal uh, more assists than goals, but you know what what a what a graceful footballer he was. Um and he's no longer at our disposal in terms of being able to chuck him out in the eleven. Um but I think just on Whiteman, I think he's being asked to play a, a different role this year than he has in the rest of his time while he's been here. He's a bit more of an anchor at the moment, sort of just sitting in front of that back three. Lowe said, didn't he, when he came in, uh, that he likes his teams to defend with a four and attack with six, obviously the two wing backs and two midfielders, two forwards, and then the four is the back three and that one sitting in front. And I think this season we've seen from Ben Whiteman that he is playing a little bit deeper. He is being asked to sort of protect the the back three a little bit more. And 
I think that's gone perhaps a little bit unnoticed. Obviously, the defense has got rightly so loads of loads of praise, loads of plaudits. But you know, there's been I think there's been a few games this season where I've come off and thought actually I think Ben Whiteman's done a very good job there today. You know, he's he's swept up nicely. He's got blocks in, track runners, um, intercepted passes, cut passing lanes, and yes, he's not getting involved going forward that much this season, but. Who is, really, if we're being honest? Mm. I mean, when you mentioned midfielders, I was jumping straight in with like, oh, you mean Ben Pearson? Uh, because like he, he, his ability to see like a, a, a kind of cutting pass uh, is very different to, to Whiteman. It's not Whiteman's role in the team. And it's, it possibly comes down to just who we had at disposal. We were more open in midfield under Alex Neal. Um, like the, the the players kind of would could cover more ground with the pass, where ours is a little bit more condensed in front of Whiteman is it, there's a lot more traffic in front of him and yeah we're not just trying to see a, a through ball through to a 10 and hope that like DJ will run on a score so Whiteman really is there just like breaking up play and he's it's like much more shorter passes than I think any of us expected would, when he first came in because we thought he may be like the the Pearson replacement or maybe a little bit of galley in there as well and it's not really what he's done um but yeah I don't I don't know. It's it's you kind of want to see the best out of all the players, uh, and ideally, you like to think of all your players as creative goal-scoring threats. But all you can really do when you're putting a team for a certain reason is fulfil the role that's been given to you, and I suppose he's done that. Yeah, done that uh, relatively well. Yeah, my take on Whiteman is that I think I think he's been a great signing. When he first came along, he was he was quite brittle and naive defensively. So, um, it, it just gets sort of waltzed past a lot of time in midfield. There's no doubt now that he's much better defensively um, and he's a much better all-round midfielder than the one that joined us. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I, I can really understand the the, the uh, frustration that comes because, you know, the supporters are expecting more from, uh, from a bloke who costs more than, more than £1 million, I suppose. Um, and it's quite clear that there's a player in there, and it's clear that that he could be that he could be a genuinely great midfielder. Uh, but yeah, the current role he's playing, um, uh, he's playing the pivot, so he's doing more defending. Uh, and plus, we we used to talk we used to talk about how we're, we're uh, a much better team uh, off the ball uh, than on the ball. Uh, and when we had like Pearson and Gallagher and Brown and Johnson, sort of have been the mainstays in that midfield. Um, and nowadays, that's not necessarily the case in the fact that we don't do much off the ball um, and we don't do a great deal on it either. Um, so I can feel a little bit, really, for players like Whiteman who 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 are certainly better. I, so I think he, he, he could be the Gallagher type uh, in the fact, like, like playing and creating... Um, and sort of unlocking locks, uh, but uh, I'm not entirely sure the current system may be a place to his 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 strengths 100 percent really. Mm. Yeah, I mean, who else yeah. do you put back there uh, in his stead, like a Brown or a Ledson? Who else I, would you put I in his? Going to give him area to that no can one. Do the job he does. Um, mm. People might point to Ledson, but I think he's better. Slightly further forward, if I'm being honest. Um, 
But yeah, it's uh, it's hard to be overly critical of the midfielders when the whole the whole team isn't really firing. Let's be honest. Um, I certainly didn't watch that game yesterday and think, bloody hell, Ben White. We've lost that because Ben White has been a real yeah. plague in our team. Mm. It it's people trying to pick holes in it. Um, I'm not entirely sure they're warranted with Whiteman. I think after after games like that and after a week we've just had, I think the, there always tends to be a scapegoat picked out, doesn't there? And I think mm. on this occasion, unfortunately for Ben Whiteman, it appears to be him. Um, in terms of the next question, then this one's from at Elliot B underscore on Twitter who asks, are Preston North End just a club punching above their weight and destined to go down to League One in the next two to three years? Nice and jovial for the podcast. Great. I just won at Norwich last week. Yeah, uh, I mean, in in a way, in a way, yeah. Uh, but that's the same for any club of our size, uh, and it's just the kind of the ebb and flow, if you can call it that, of league football. Um, teams do well for a period of time; they do badly for a period of time. We are usually a team that don't do too well and don't do too badly. Uh, whereas you get others which yo-yo frantically through the leagues. Look at what's happened to like Sunderland. Or what happened to what happened to Southampton not too many years ago and Leeds. And it feels like with us we have a, a, a lower glass ceiling than clubs like that. Uh, but have been run in a certain way for a long time, which kind of negates how bad things uh, could get if you're if you're too reckless and it becomes incredibly boring and apathetic at times and often the frustration Preston North End fans have is not because we're so bad and so rubbish it's just the fact that we never seem to have the ambition to or the the the, the resources to reach for the stars so we're always just here somewhere in the middle all the time give or take are we are we destined to go down in a few years 100% we are yeah of course we will because we're not going to stay in the championship forever and we're more likely to go down than we are to go up doesn't mean we'll become a league one side for the rest of our lives either, or go down to League Two. It's just what you expect as a North End fan. If we continue this exact, I think that more pertinently to the question, if we continue along this exact route, this is how we spend, and these are the kind of managers we get, these are the kind of players, and this is how we attack this league. It's, yes, it's unsustainable going forward, and eventually through parachute payments, through greater investment in other clubs, bigger fan bases of other clubs, we probably are going to drop lower and lower but I don't think it's going to be as, you know, I don't think we're destined to go down in two years and then slum it in lower leagues forever because of mistakes we're making now. It's just, sometimes the league's going to be harder than it, like, than it is the previous year. Sometimes there'll be too much money in it. Sometimes we'll get a shit manager or we'll have a couple of shit players on big contracts or whatever happens or just a bad stroke of luck. And that's just going to happen. And that's, unless we had greater investment, Unless we were bought out by people who wanted to put more money in in that way, it's just the destiny of any club, I think, ultimately. But you well, know, Jimmy let's up. enjoy the ride. <laughs> Cheers for that, Johnny. Christ, yeah, anytime. Um, yeah, that's the glass half empty view for sure. Um, is that ultimately you are likely to get relegated at some point? Um, but I always think that, like. Ten minutes or ninety minutes or a week is a long time um, uh, in this game. And obviously, had you asked that question on the back of a win against uh, West Brom and Norwich last, on last week's podcast, Jay, you'd have been sort of labelled insane. 
So it's important not to get too high and too low uh, when you win and lose respectively. And it is important to have a little bit of a reality check. We are one of the lowest budgets. Um, but we do have some pretty decent players at the club. Um, it's it's not all doom and gloom. We can beat we can beat teams. We're hard to beat. Um, and and really, and, and that question was more. Uh, it could have been. You could, uh, Johnny could have given the answer to that question in say in say twenty sixteen when uh, when we just come back up. Um, a team uh, teams don't don't tend to stay in the championship that long after coming up. Really, mm. uh, as a rule, you think you think most recently of like Rotherham and Wigan. They've been yo-yo clubs. Barnsley the same. You know what's it been now? Seven years back Seven in the years. championship. How long did we do last long. time? 10, 10, 11, Was it? Was it ten or eleven years? Like, I have a feeling it was. Yeah, 11. it was. It, it, yeah, um, it was us Burnley and Ipswich, wasn't it? Who spent the most mm. time in the league, and then Burnley went up and Ipswich went down recently. Um, uh, we we went down obviously, but um, yeah. Talk of talk of relegation is particularly premature at the moment, and you never quite know what's going to happen. We might we might go and spend millions in January, and that's not going to happen. But it, you never know. We might have new owners by then. We might, you never you never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. We know that's not going to happen, but we you never know what's going to happen. Like yeah. I, we, I I just think. I mean, I don't think we're any under any threat of relegation at the moment uh, for sure. I just the way I look at it is everything has a kind of like. A, a sell-by date, a half-life, what have you. You, you, you you're only going to be in one place for one time. If you're right at the top, you, that you're going to be there for a certain amount of time, not forever. Nothing lasts forever. And if you're right at the bottom, you're only going to be there for a certain amount of time. Um, so, and just looking at the years we've been here, we've been here what like seven or eight years, as you mentioned. Last time we were here for like ten, eleven, and we had much greater success. Arguably, you know, a couple of playoff finals, uh, semi. Uh, we were all getting semis at the time, but not anymore. Whereas these days, <laughs> we've had a little bit more. We've had a little bit more of a, oh, God. a tough slog uh, in the championship, and the highs have not been too high, uh, and the lows have been particularly low. So yeah, maybe that colours my my view of it and a lot of fans' view of it. But yeah, we'll go down at some point. But we might win the league next year. But then we could be in League One in like three years' time. Like it's just it's just football, isn't it? Um, yeah, last last question then, and this one's from me. Uh, sort of relating to the the current situation with injuries and suspensions and everything over the last week or so. But this is something that we've all seen coming, isn't it? If we're being brutally honest, um, you know, you look at the squad. It, it's this this last sort of week, ten days, whatever is has highlighted the real lack of any kind of quality that we have in the squad. Um, but I guess it's not really come as a surprise either, has it? Yeah, we may as well have this conversation year on year. You may as well keep this answer for <laughs> next uh, for next year's podcast, Jake, uh, in 12 months' time. We've always had um, a relatively decent first 11 or so, um, but we've always been plagued by injuries and suspension sort of um, uh, in the winter seasons, like the real height of winter. Um it's normally it's normally around Christmas and January, really. So, uh, but because obviously the World Cup's coming, obviously it's been brought it's been brought forward slightly. Um, uh, yeah, we, we yeah we know we lack depth, um, and that really wasn't wasn't a shock at Bristol the other night when we changed it around a bit and got beat because we don't necessarily have uh, the players to come in 
um, and make an impact um, uh, off the bench. Uh, like you look at the subs yesterday, um, Evans came on, Potts came on, um, uh, and the young lad Adair, which is great for him, uh, came on. But realistically, in the championship, when you're trying to turn the tide of a game, um, you could do with more coming on, really, and more quality coming on. Um, having said that, uh, on the young lad Adair, um, he might be, he might be. Uh, it might be a world beater, uh, but it's up to sort of uh, the manager to find that out. But um, yeah, we we know we lack depth, uh, and we have done, and it's been our issue for the last of uh, the last eight years or so. Mm. I mean, I'd argue, I'd argue we. A lot of people might disagree with me, but I say I still think we have a stronger squad now than we had at this time last season, pre Archer. But when we all knew from the start of the season that defensively as well as we're playing the second thing starts to get shaky there we lose one player there that could fall apart and that's just proven to be bang on uh and then we've just been i don't know if you can call us unfortunate everyone has injuries and we were always going to have more injuries as the games kept coming to lose some of our better forward players uh leaving us now with you know you're, you're bringing on 17 year olds are bringing on chad evans off the bench you're starting shawnee mcguire again um and it's, yeah, it's just a copy and paste answer we're going to have forever and ever and ever. I, there was that moment when we thought, oh, we're going to bring in Callum Robinson and like Ethan Laird. And I was looking at our team sheet and going, wow, this is like the deepest, the strongest depth we've ever had as a club for, for like since like 2004. This is amazing. And then we brought in neither of those players or anyone else. Uh, and then you're just back to expecting the exact same that we have every season. <clears throat> Look how emotional I'm getting just talking about it. Uh, so yeah, it is. It is what it is. We 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 don't have any depth, and I can't see us ever having that particular depth unless we completely revamped the club and had a different investment come from different places. Uh, just get used to it. That's why it's important we win games when we're at full strength. When we've got all the best players in, we just need to get as many points on the board as possible. It's what Neil used to say when we had that really bad run a couple of years ago. And then uh, he got some of his best players back and we went and we got a decent away win. I can't remember who it was. And he came out in the press and he was like, well, that's what happens. When we, our best players are on the pitch, we win games. But we can't expect to have those on the pitch all the time. So maybe just a reality check every time that happens with us. I don't really have much to add to what either of you have said there, to be quite honest. Pretty uh, comprehensive. Yeah. <laughs> but Alex oh, wasn't though, was he? You know, you get your best players on the pitch and... And more often than not, you win games. Um, it's just, I guess, the the challenge comes in trying to keep those on the pitch for as long as you possibly can. Yeah, it's going to be a good thing when it's going to be interesting to see what happens when Brady breaks down, which you will. Like he, he like he's so much pressure on him this season. When he goes to pot for however many weeks, how we try? I mean, I suppose that's a big like. Does does DJ coming back in, into the squad properly then and? Trying to take a claim to stay in there. That's to be when... fair to Brady's, I think he's already played double the amount of games that he did last season. Uh, yeah, and I think he was one that everyone kind of expected to break down within the first like three or four games. I mean, my my uh, brain tells me he's on he's on borrowed time now. He's got to yeah. great numbers, be well, really like impressed, Christ. but like any day now, he's just he's he's gonna collapse. Four It'll be like bed. a parrot. He'll he'll score a goal and then he'll he'll wheel off to celebrate and be like, oh, that's me out for eight weeks. <laughs> so that Martin Grime would be happy if Brady scored because obviously um, 
he'd be the first midfielder to score. Yeah, in the league. Yeah, in the league, of course, yeah. Um, that caveat. Yes. Uh, Huddersfield, boys, Tuesday. Either of you going? Johnny, I'm guessing uh, the next, wait, the I've next got to be... six hours will be decisive for you. Uh, people heard the, the preamble of this uh, of this podcast today. Yeah, I may I may or may not be in Tunisia. Uh, who's so now? I'll be on the beach with my lovely lady, or I'll be somewhere else with another lovely <laughs> lady. <laughs> oh, she won't listen to this. It's fine. Well, it's fine. Solly, are you um, going? I'll, yeah, I'll be in Huddersfield. Yeah. Um, are, you, are, you, are you confident? Uh, well, again, I always allude to this sort of feeling that you have before, uh, specifically a midweek trip, uh, in the fact that you think you're going to get beat and then all of a sudden North End surprise you. We didn't really have that with Bristol last Wednesday, but it would be it would be typical North End to go to Huddersfield on the back of the most turgid of displays and win. Um although it's not necessarily happy hunting ground for us. Uh, so confident, no. Optimistic-ish. We very rarely like lose this many games on the bounce. That's the one right. thing I say with North End, no matter who the manager is, uh, apart from, well, that one time under Neil when I think we lost like eight games in a row, it was horrendous. Um we very rarely lose this many on the bounce. We very rarely stay down for so long. So I'm, I agree with Sally. I'm kind of like, I'm not confident, but I am optimistic that we'll turn it around. But I think a lot of it will just come down to these little niggles our players have. Are we going to get Story and Lindsay playing together again um, by Huddersfield? I don't know. Uh, it, it's how, how are people feeling off the pitch kind of thing? Um, if we've got a relatively strong squad, I've been impressed enough with Maguire. I know he's not looking like scoring, but he's he's looking as effective almost as Parrot was looking beforehand, before he was scoring. Um, so our, our first 11 could still be relatively, you know, competitive in the league. Um, well, they've, they've been a bit indifferent, I think is a, a, a one way of putting it, since their new manager was appointed. Lost two, drawn one, won one mm. um, since... He was given the job full time. They'll almost certainly be uh, different to what we faced in the cup. So I'm not expecting watch now. It'll it'll happen, but I'm not expecting another four-one win with an Alan McCann double. However, yeah, I think cautiously optimistic is the way to to describe how I'm feeling ahead of this. Hopeful. Is that manager the one with the with the ridiculous hybrid accent? It goes from like Scottish to uh, American to Australian to other, or whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, bizarre. Yeah. Um, Steve McLaren. <laughs> no. Um, Mark Fotheringham, he's called. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, him. Have <laughs> a listen to his rematch. There's, there's a tweet that went, like, did the rounds, I think, earlier this week, and someone was saying, like, he goes from Glasgow to Texas to. <laughs> Like Brussels in the space of about thirty seconds. Um, what what are your predictions? No nil. Yeah, nil nil. Uh, it's about time. It's about time we have another nil nil. Uh, yeah, or another I'd, draw. At least. I'd be delighted to see another nil nil. I never thought I'd say that. Yeah, and, I mean, I, I think lovely, I think we're gonna. I have a feeling that now we're conceding goals. We're gonna keep conceding goals. Um, 
you know, we're managing to score a few more. I'm going to go with a 1-1. One, one. Uh, yeah, I was going to say 1-1, one, one, but seeing as you have, I'll say we'll, we'll, we'll turn the tide, keep clean sheet, and we'll score 1-0 win. That'd be class. It would, indeed. Yeah. Um, Especially ahead of, you know, next I was weekend. Just going to say, ahead of, ahead of the big one. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd take a positive result, certainly, heading into We're that. all too afraid to even talk about that, aren't we? We're too afraid to even uh, dare speak its name, what's coming up, because it feels... I remember going into the last one and thinking, yeah, we're, we're going to do them here. We're not gonna we're not gonna go through what we did uh, at Bloomfield Road, but even that we were relying on that fantastic strike from a player that no longer plays in white and blue. Uh, scary times, isn't it? Solly, are you positive? Sorry, are you feeling a little bit more optimistic about actually getting into this one? <laughs> what do you mean? I got into the game. Oh yeah, you did. Sorry, yeah. Last time. Bloody hell, fire. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous accusation. Yeah, Blackpool. I think I've spoken about this in the past and the fact that if I had my way, we'd never play Blackpool, ever. Um, it's a horrible day from start to finish. Never have I ever wanted to be in Tunisia more with Johnny. <laughs> uh, than, uh, you can go in my stead, mate. Well, 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 that could be interesting, actually. Um, He'll <laughs> uh, <laughs> shout at you, Les. <laughs> Are you, um, from, are you from Preston? You sound like you sound like Johnny. Why I am? <laughs> Enough for uh, Anyway, um, yeah, uh, I'm more optimistic going to Blackpool this time. Uh, obviously, last year uh, they were riding the crest of a wave with um, with their messiah Neil Critchley, and we had McAvoy, obviously. Um, at this time. This time, I'm, I'm a lot more optimistic, um, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, God, the horrible days, Derby days, I really don't like them. They make my skin crawl. And you can't sleep the night before. Um, yeah. <laughs> Kudos to you, Jake, because um, you'll be going there having not had a drink, won't you? Yeah. Working for Life's Live with George. Hopefully, um, yeah. I'd... I'd I can't imagine ever going there watching North End and without having a drink. It would be well. Last season, given how it ended, it felt unsurvivable for for Frankie. But obviously, uh, yeah. he he sort of rode it out. Um, but it was, yeah. I I have a I have a horrible feeling that a poor result and a poor performance on Tuesday, and I think we. With how the the goodwill has all but disappeared amongst the fans, I think you know a poor performance, poor result on Tuesday, and I dare say we would almost be back at the point that we were heading into the game last season. Yeah, I ca- I can't stand this constant clamour to replace managers, mm. but but um, yeah, there's certainly a sort of feel around Twitter, especially and. So we know Twitter's not not the whole sort of a picture, but um, there's a lot of calls on Twitter that maybe Blackpool will define well. Uh, and I suppose Derby days always do, but uh, if, if we were top in the league and lost at Blackpool, then nobody would be it would be calling for them to be sacked. But um, yeah, 
win, lose or draw, it it would be it'll be too soon to part company with Lowe, in my opinion. Yeah, same here. Unless we get absolutely tanked midweek, like five nil or something, then get tanked again against Blackpool. I don't think things could get quite so bad. I know he's the kind of the little the energy, the goodwill he's built around him, even when we've been falling out of love with the club and the ownership and the 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 the, the kind of roadmap forward for the club, Lowe has still been able to rely on a lot of goodwill from the fan base, um, from that kind of initial belief he managed to drum up in pre-season. And I think it would take quite a lot for that to be so dissipated that um, that a loss against Blackpool, unless a really, really embarrassingly terrible loss, uh, would would want people to put his head on the chopping block at this stage. I am not looking forward to it either. Um, it just feels like it could go either way. You just don't know what Preston North End side are going to turn up. Under what the big difference between right this part of the season and under McAvoy, I think someone tweeted about how it's only like one point difference or something. But with McAvoy, you just had no faith that in any game you're going to turn it around. Uh, whereas with Lowe, you kind of feel like you, we could go out and batter them. Um, probably not score all that many goals because we haven't really battered anyone in that way. But you could go out and play very well, uh, or you could go out and not play, I would suggest we've not played horrendously badly under low, like at all. We just sometimes we play it's very boring and stodgy and we don't get anything from the game. I'd be scared to predict anything. I just it, it relies on so many players turning up. You know, we need Reese to, to be on form and on fire for that game because where else are the goals going to come from? Uh, you need you probably need at least one of our wing backs to be obviously, you need Fernandez coming out and being on it, not being quite so naive and light on the ball, but still having all that confidence in himself to get forward and take the ball past players. You need players like Brady trying to get balls into the box, uh, give a cutting pass. You need players like Brown to be tackling and not getting himself sent off and not going missing. In our, you need so many players to turn up. Uh, and one fear, one fear I do have is the other derby we've had this year against Burnley. As much as we had... Uh, you know, the players worked their socks off when we got something out of the game. They were so, they seemed so terrified of the day that we couldn't string a pass together. And it was frankly a miracle we managed to get a goal back anyway. I think Burnley are very different to Blackpool, but like we need to approach the game differently. They need to be on it against Blackpool. I think the goal against Burnley did the ball only cross the line by about a centimetre and a half as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was was barely as well, wasn't it? How far they cross. Well, yeah, across, true. Yeah. Goal's a goal, isn't it? Um, it's turned into it's turned into a little bit of a cliche, hasn't it? Um, that, that you know we can't turn up like we did yesterday um, to a Blackpool, but it is entirely true. We absolutely cannot turn up uh, and play how we did yesterday at Blackpool. It would be an absolute catastrophe. Mm. Predictions? Horrible making us predict. Uh, I predicted last year that we'd win. Um, so I'm hesitant to do so, but I think we'll win five nil. Oh, Johnny, I feel feel like I feel like I'm walking over someone's grave to predict a game like this. Uh, like nothing good, nothing good can come of it. At very least, it's disrespectful. Um, I'm going to go with one. 2-1, one, 2-1 one North End. 
They've been scoring a lot of goals as well. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm going to predict a repeat of Norwich away. Yeah. And, uh, so we'll we'll sneak a 3-2 win, but I'll, I'll say 2-1 soon as you've gone 3-2. Right. Um, well, we've got to get it within those numbers. I mean, it can't be anything different than a 5-0. 3-2 <laughs> uh, win. 2-1 or 3-2. 2-1, yeah. Um, yeah. Boys, thank you very much for your time. I think unless you've got anything else you want to say, then we can we can wrap that up there. And Johnny, you can get may get or may not in. go on holiday. Yeah. Oh, fingers crossed. We might work out. I might not get to go to Tunisia, but then we'll batter Blackpool next weekend. And then you know well, what? It's been, a, it's been a good week. I think I know what the listeners would prefer. Me to have a lovely holiday after twenty-seven <laughs> long working days. That's very kind of them. And I'd like to take this opportunity to thank every single one of you for your well-wishing and your prayers. Lord knows I need him. <laughs> On that note, yeah, thanks, boys. Uh, cheers for your time, as always. Cheers, Jess.